the latest drone updates from the UK CAA. This is the CAA Drone Safety Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Drone Safety Podcast. I'm Jonathan Nicholson from the CAA Communications team. And today we're going to be covering our decision that we've made following the consultation we ran back in May on a proposed extension to the legacy and transition category for drones that are used in the open category. So just a reminder of what it was around. So when we inherited the European Union rules and stuff we'd put into the UK law as well, drones were supposed to move on the 1st of January 2023 to class markings and new classifications. Now, the reason we ran the consultation is we felt the UK wasn't ready to introduce that for a number of reasons. The body that would oversee it and do the assessments isn't in place, being one of the prime reasons. So Europe also had chosen to do a consultation on this as well, as as they also felt that they weren't in the right place and they'd chosen to delay by a year. So we went out and did the consultation, as I say, in May. Thank you to everybody that responded. We've had thousands of responses to this, really good response, some really interesting views. And I'm pleased to say we've now come to a decision. So today we're going to go through what that means, what the decision is, and how it will impact drone owners in the UK. Okay, so let's crack on then and find out the detail. We're joined today by Callum Holland from the RPAS team. Uh, Callum, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me. As you said, my name is Callum Holland. I'm a RPAS policy specialist within the Civil Aviation Authority background within RPAS for about 10 years. Having founded a commercial drone company initially, went on to industry, worked in industry for several years, and now lucky enough, just from January this year, to join the Civil Aviation Authority, as I mentioned, one of the policy specialists on the RPAS team. Great to have you. So I think it's probably worth doing a, a quick reminder to people about why we ran this consultation in the first place. Yeah, sure. So the class marking, class marking schemes, those terms have been around for several years now and, and, and they've caused a fair degree of confusion within the industry, some, some ambiguity and I think most of all some uncertainty. Fundamentally, what it is, is that the intention to develop a set of product standards that manufacturers can conform to to add safety assurances to the platforms that are operated in the open category. Now, there's lots of things that need to be done prior to us being able to roll out that type of uh, solution. And we, we had a transitional date, a transitional period of two years. And we're very quickly coming up to those two years where the transitional and legacy provisions would have expired. And we, the UK CAA, we had concerns that some of the necessary things that needed to be put in place to facilitate class marked UAS perhaps weren't in place and maybe wouldn't have been in place by the start of 23. Primarily focusing around the establishment of a market surveillance authority, a conformity assessment bodies, and of course, the creation and adoption of the relevant standards. This is all work that has to be done by government, DFT and the CAA. So what we did, we wanted to get industry's opinion on what they thought about the transitional and legacy provisions. Bearing in mind, we have all of these concerns that some of the things we need to put in place for class marked UAS wouldn't be in place by 23. That's primarily what the consultation was around. What did the community think about the transitional and legacy provisions? And importantly, what did they think about the current expiry date of those provisions? Because it was going to be the 1st of January 23, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. So, yeah. And when we say industry, we mean everybody, don't everybody. we? So everybody who's got a drone, uses a drone, is a registered operator, that kind of Absolutely. Thing. Recreational, commercial, and, and then everybody in between. And so 
What were the proposals that we put forward? What were the options we put out in the consultation? So we asked five questions in total. We were fairly specific with, with the first four questions. Now, the transitional categories, there's two. There's a legacy provision and there's a transitional provision. And they're both slightly nuanced. They're not exactly the same thing. So what we were keen to really do was to gauge support for or against an extension to individually, both the legacy and the transitional provisions. So out of the four questions, the more statistical ones, the yes, no, and how long, so as opposed to opinions, it's, would you be in favor of extending each provision, the legacy provision and the transitional provision? That was a yes, no, I don't know, or not answered one. Okay. And, and if you were in favor of an extension to both the legacy and or transitional category for how long? And the options there were 12, 24 months, longer than 24 months or not answered. And the, the responses were genuinely incredible. I personally was blown away by the sheer number of responses that we had. In total, 4,506 responses. And I'll go through some of the percentages in terms of responses. So if we take the first question around extending the legacy category provisions, a total of 97%, if we round it up, because it's 97.98, so That's 98%, yeah. Yeah, 98% were in favor of an extension. And within that, 70% were in favor of an extension longer than 24 months. And the second highest choice there was 24% with a, in favor of a 24 months extension. So the overwhelming majority of responses were in favor and the overwhelming majority were in favor of an extension beyond 24 months. Moving on to the transitional category, almost the same. You know, 96.69% were in favor of an extension to the transitional category provisions. 78% of those were in favor of an extension beyond 24 months. And then 16% in favor of an extension of 24 months. So again, similar to what we see in the legacy. And we can see where that came from. If you were in favor of one, the likelihood yeah, is you're probably, going to, kind of, of, you're yeah, probably yeah. going to be in favor yeah, of the yeah. other. So what we can take from the answers of those first four questions, there is zero ambiguity in terms of what the community, recreational and commercial, want. The overwhelming majority want an extension and the overwhelming majority want an extension of longer than 24 months. That's really clear. The statistics, it's relatively black and white, as it were. What was really interesting and what the CAA was really grateful for was the additional comments provided by respondents. So we asked a fifth question and that fifth question was, do you want to add anything additional to your first four answers sure. that you yeah. think we should be aware of? Because we know it's not as black and white as yes, no, 12, 24, longer than 24. We really want to understand the why. I think the really important thing to point out here is the why and the responses, in total, we received 2,411 comments, so answers to the fifth question, yeah, sure. has shaped and morphed the CAA opinion. So that's what people want to know, isn't it? Have we listened? Have we acted on what people have said? And also, I guess all those comments helped us come to the decision that we made, as you say, as well as the actual raw data, you almost need the evidence to be able to act rather than someone just saying yes, no, don't you? Absolutely that. And one thing I, I want to make really clear, each of those responses were read. Each individual response was read by a member of the RPAS team in the CAA. Not one was missed. Clearly, we had to group responses in order to sort of facilitate in the communication with the Department of Transport when we submitted our formal opinion. 
what we have done is broke them down into some common themes. And some of the themes that emerged, some of them were things that you know, we in the team had thought about, especially around sort of economic impact. But there were things that perhaps myself hadn't thought about, and it really genuinely helped shape our opinion. We obviously put out the consultation because we had a broad level opinion that perhaps we're not quite ready for this to happen and perhaps there should be an extension. And that's kind of where our opinion sat. As a direct result of the consultation and those 2,411 comments, it's significantly moved our opinion and what we've submitted to DFT. So those common themes and perhaps some of the ones that I personally hadn't thought about before is the environmental impact is one of them. If the transitional legacy category UAS provisions were allowed to expire, you're going to end up with a significant amount of e-waste potentially. And that's not something I'd personally thought about. But when you read that in all of those consultation comments, you have to step back and go, wow, yeah, you're absolutely right. That, that's a significant degree of e-waste potentially. And that's because the, the users couldn't carry on using that drone in the way they wanted yeah, to. Yeah, especially to those that perhaps don't have an operational authorization and could operate it in the specific category. Those that are solely flying in the open category, they effectively didn't have an option at that point. The economic impact, you know, that, that's an obvious one. It, I think it's kind of the primary one that there is functional equipment out there that had the potential or has the potential from the 1st of January 23 to be perfectly functional, but not allowed to fly sure. um, it, it, within the constraints of the transitional legacy provisions. And obviously people spend a lot of money on these aircraft. They're not particularly cheap. So there's an economic impact there. Another interesting one that came up was the market uncertainty. So as I have been for the past decade, very keen to be using and buying the latest drones and technology. That's part of the fun of it all. But with the uncertainty created around the legacy and transitional provisions on will they, won't they be extended? What's happening with it? People have held off purchasing new equipment because they didn't want to buy something that they thought might be for them, redundant in six, nine months' time. We've heard that a lot. When we've attended events, it's kind of like, when are the drones coming out that I can buy that will have the markings yeah. on? And obviously, we don't know that, but there's that uncertainty and people have been waiting, haven't they? Yeah, of course. And as a, a recreational operator now, I've felt that myself. Safety. A significant percentage of people made a valid argument in the response that well, if I'm operating in compliance with the open category regulations today, I'm not being involved in safety incidents or issues with my aircraft. So if they're safe today, surely they're safe tomorrow. Now, another thing that came up that I just want to clarify before we get on to what I know people are here for, and that's to articulate what our opinion to the Department of Transport is as a direct result of this consultation. It's just a bit of a clarification around the CAA's role. It was a common theme within responses that it's within the CAA's power to make this decision alone by ourselves. One of the things I want to be really clear on, regulation and policy is amended through the Department for Transport by government and ultimately parliament. So the Civil Aviation Authority's role here as subject matter experts is to propose an opinion based on our own internal expertise, but also external stakeholders. The consultation we just run is an example of that. And then propose that to the Department for Transport. And ultimately, it will be them alongside government, alongside parliament, that will have the final say on what happens to legislation. So I just wanted to make that sort of distinction very clear. So it's really important that people understand, isn't it, that what we're just about to say and what we'll say in other places as to what our view is, 
that goes to government. But until they actually make their final decision and publish that, it is purely a recommendation at the moment. People need to wait and see what the government say as to actually exactly what the future decision is. Absolutely. And the hope is always that the Department for Transport take on board what the CAA have recommended our opinion. I think the really powerful message we have here now is that it's not just the opinion of the Civil Aviation Authority, it's the opinion of four and a half thousand recreational and commercial drone operators across the United Kingdom. And that's a really powerful message for us to back up our opinion. So on to what I know everybody's waiting (laughs) to hear is what is our opinion to the Department of Transport? And our opinion is that all provisions, both transitional and legacy, should be extended indefinitely, at least until the consumer can purchase class marked UAS on the open market. So the point here, we have this two-year, currently this two-year transitional phase. For us, the spirit of those two years was to allow the consumer time to make purchasing decisions. Now, because the consumer doesn't have an option to purchase a class marked UAS for all the reasons we've already talked about, we're not really within the spirit of what that transitional period was for. And because we don't know how long everything we've said needs to be done before class marked UAS come into force, we don't know how long those things are going to take. We think it'd be unfair to apply another arbitrary date, one year, two years, whatever it might be. And we could be in the same position again, couldn't we? So we could say two years, as was one of the original proposals, and and then we could be doing all this again in a year and a half's time. Exactly that. And one of the primary things that CAA really wants to get right with this opinion is to try and clear up some of the uncertainty within the market that's being caused by this. So our opinion is there should be an indefinite extension. Now, at the point class mark UAS become available on the market, there should be consideration given for a reintroduction of a transitional period, but only at the point class mark UAS are available. And you know, that's really to ensure that the regulated community has a suitable amount of time to naturally phase out perhaps older UAS. And that's kind of one of the big bits of feedback where, well, my drone's good today. If I buy another one, am I going to be able to use it in six months time? And our opinion is it shouldn't be done until the consumer has that option. So our opinion is indefinite extension. Once we've all gone away, the government, the Department of Transport, the CAA, and manufacturers too, and we're capable of delivering class marked UAS on the market, there will be consideration given for a reintroduction of a transitional period, but not before. So the key takeaway I want to promote here is the investment uncertainty, the economic impact, the environmental impact, all of the concerns that people have raised throughout the consultation have directly fed into our opinion and why we believe the only way forward is for a completely indefined period of time between now for the transitional legacy provisions up until the point class marked US are available. And then we may look at introducing an additional transitional phase. Which it makes absolute sense. And for a lot of users, there is benefit in having a class marked drone as well, isn't there? So ultimately, people will benefit as portion of users will benefit from the introduction anyway. Yeah, and it's right to say within the consultation response that there were a significant percentage of respondents that were in favour of class marked UAS. What they weren't in favour of is everything I've just brought up, the the uncertainty, the economic impact, the e-waste. Because commercial and recreational drone pilots operating in the open category, they can broadly see the advantages of a class marking scheme and the permissions that come alongside, take the A2 category, for example, uh, operating C2 aircraft. So there is value in that. There's also safety value in it too, in terms of some of the sort of potential technical specifications. But... 
the regulated community, I'm going to use this word loosely, you know, it shouldn't be punished in terms of the uncertainty, the e-waste economic impact, when CAA, DFT, government, manufacturers are all getting our sort of ducks in a row to get class marked UAS on the open market. So that's what it's all about. Hopefully, if the Department for Transport, Government and Parliament share our opinion, what it will mean is you don't have to worry about this. All of the concerns raised within the consultation are mitigated, continue flying, continue buying. And at the point you are able to purchase a class marked UAS, then you may see a re- reintroduction of a transitional period. So to just reinforce that then, so that is our view. It goes to government. People need to wait and see what government decide. Yeah. If they agree, then if you own a drone at the moment or you're buying a drone in the very near future, you carry on yeah. as if you are now. But at some point when class marked drones have been available and are available to buy, we're going to look again probably at reintroducing a period of time before the class mark and the classifications come in. Absolutely. Well, I think based on what people have said, we've listened, we've acted, and people should, I think, hopefully welcome that clarity. And and it's what people wanted to see. One thing as well that we've seen in the past few weeks that we should probably touch on is bearing all that in mind, of course, there's been stuff on social media in other places of drones or labels purporting to appear on drones. So I think it's just worth being very clear to people that until all of the work the government and others need to do to introduce classifications, introduce the overseeing authority, etc., there is no standard, there is no sticker. If people see anything now, that's not real. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly, we have a statutory duty around sort of consumer protection. The CAA will make it very clear through communications at the point that class marked UAS are available on the UK market. An additional point I want the community to be absolutely certain of is the European Union, the three ASF, have pushed back, uh, I believe by 12 months, the applicability of transitional and, and UAS provisions because they are in a similar position to us currently. So whether it's an EU approved class marked aircraft or a UK approved class marked aircraft, none of them exist. So if you do see drones being offered on the market online with class markings on them, they're not, essentially. Yeah, it's an important thing for people to remember. You're listening to the CAA Drone Safety Podcast. So timescales wise, is there anything we can give to people? I guess to put it brutally, we've done our bit and now we wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 you know, rightly so. This is a substantive decision for the Department for Transport, for government and, and, and for Parliament to make. So we need to give them time to digest what it is we're telling them. It's a fairly significant departure from what is currently there. We would obviously like to see some movement as soon as possible in order to mitigate that uncertainty in the market. And that's one of the things that the CAA are really keen to mitigate is this uncertainty that currently exists. And obviously, as as soon as we are able to, I'm sure we will release additional communications stating the way forward and perhaps the path the Department of Transport and the government have taken on the matter. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be out there on all the usual channels telling everybody what the decision is. So a great response to the consultation. Thank you to everybody who did that. Yeah. What next? What other consultations or upcoming work have we got that, for people just to be on the lookout for? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I said at the start, we were absolutely blown away by the, not just the quantity, but the quality of responses in, you know, in that fifth question, the additional comments field. And it's just 
really important to reiterate. I appreciate I've said it a couple of times. This consultation has shaped, changed the CAA's opinion on what we've submitted as a DFT. So the time you, the listeners of this podcast, spent in providing us a consultation response, it made an impact. It genuinely made an impact. So coming up next, we've talked about this over the past couple of months. We know that we are about to release for consultation a fairly substantive document. It's the UK's acceptable means of compliance and guidance material to the UAS implementing reg, about 90 pages. Mm -hmm. That will be released for consultation uh, over the coming weeks. So we're really keen. Now everyone's kind of had a go uh, (laughs) at this consultation to to get straight back in and provide your views and feedback. Because again, it's going to shape how we do things on the acceptable means of compliance and guidance uh, material. Uh, I'll forewarn you, it's going to take a little bit more time for you to do than the the other one. (laughs) But worth it. But absolutely worth it because it's going to directly impact the regulated community. So so it's, it's really important. This regulation, all the regulation we do, the guidance material, the acceptable means of compliance, is built for primarily and to ensure safety, but it's there for the regulated community. We don't create rules for the sake of creating rules. It's there to sort of build a safe environment that we can all operate and the industry can flourish in both recreational and commercial. So it does directly impact you. So we'll be really keen to get those responses in when it goes to consultation. And just like we did for this one, I'm sure we're going to release it on our social media when it's up and live. We absolutely will. And, and I think if it's like other areas of aviation, actually the acceptable means of compliance is more what people use day to day than the actual base regulation and, and the rules and the laws. So it's really important that people actually play a part and have a look at it, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, this is potentially worth another podcast in itself when we begin to talk about AMC. What are they? What, etc. Yeah. And guidance material, because, you know, in, in the UK, we are very much, as, as I was growing up with UAS regulation, you know, when I ran my company with the CAP 722 series, everything was in there. Yeah. Um, now we've transitioned regulatory frameworks to you know, the implementing regulation, the delegated regulation. What we will have is an acceptable means of compliance and guidance material where most of what we were traditionally used to seeing in 722 is now contained with the AMC and GM. So for those involved in manned aviation, AMC, GM won't be a new concept. For those involved in our past, for a lot of you, AMC and GM will be a new concept. And obviously, we're going to release a fair amount of communication, clarification, documentation in order to guide you all through that process. Well, thank you. So look out for that, everybody. We need your responses on that one as well, please. A big thank you to Callum. Thank you for that. Hopefully that's no. Thank you. And hopefully that's been news people wanted and uh, we can take it on board. And as I say, just remember, as Callum said, wait for the government decision. We do need that before we sort of formally agree this. But we will let people know when that's available. So thank you, Callum. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast in all the usual places. And if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes, drop us a line. The email address is dronepodcast at caa.co.uk. Thank you very much and see you next time.